Hey guys, I'm Chris. And I'm Mike. And welcome back to this week's No Limits, the Thriller Podcast. Before I get to how you're doing, Mike, uh, should we let people know we we have a special guest today? Tyler Boer is back. Thanks for joining us again for, God, who knows, the fifth time on on the podcast? Fifth or sixth. What's up, guys? How's it going? I think I think you're now the maybe you and Brian. Like you and Brian are the two. Uh, you're neck and neck with the, who's been on the Thriller podcast the most. So, yeah. We, last week, as we were talking, I was like, you know, we got to have Tyler on. And then halfway through the pod, or like when we got to the end of the pod, Mike was like, we were going for. I don't know, almost an hour and we still hadn't gotten to our scorecard yet. And he's like, you know, let's, let's cut it there. Let's, let's see if Tyler can come on next week. And we're glad you, you made the time to come, come hang out with us. Not a problem. I had to, uh, I had to finish up actually. I, Mike hadn't texted me and I hadn't, hadn't finished the newest book yet. Um, so I actually waited until I went to a, uh, a local signing close to me actually in Cleveland. So I traveled over there to see Jack for a little bit and then, uh, got my copy from him and brought it back to Pittsburgh. So nice. Nice. How was that? Tell us a little bit about it. It was good. It was uh, an hour event. Um, and then within that hour, you know, we did a little bit of Q and a with the audience. And then after that, we, uh, we did the, the sign line and did photos and stuff. So went, went pretty good though. Some good questions, some good questions from, you know, a lot of the questions that uh, the interviewer asks is rehearsed, but, mm. you know, it's questions he gets on the regular, you know, interviews and stuff he does each year. You know, you can tell some of the stuff is, is handed to them, but uh, the Q&A with the audience was pretty solid, though. Right. That was a huge part of us doing the podcast because we had all these virtual tours during COVID and we just kept hearing the same questions. And all the authors would give kind of boilerplate language that they already had given in four other interviews. And there were a lot of times these interviewers hadn't read the book or weren't familiar with the main character or the series. And Chris and I were like, there's got to be some better content out there. And we want to bring authors on after the fact. So I haven't done it yet, Chris, but I'm going to reach out to David and see if you know, we can get Jack on the show and bring Brad back when his new book comes out and Kyle and Don Bentley over the next few months. And I feel like, Ty, exactly what you're saying. Some of these book tours are great, but particularly during the COVID times, we were all watching them online. They got so dry and boring. We wanted to be able to ask different questions, get into the spoilers. And I'd never heard an author really talk heavy spoilers in any other interview, except for when they're on our show. So, you know, that's like the the, the same angle that we like to take. Especially, I don't know when we started. I guess we started with Kyle, right? When we had him on one time post book tour. Like we got him either late in the book tour or, you know, it was after the book had come out. And Mike started recording these. All right, we're going to record like essentially two pods, right? One where we do the pre pod stuff we were able to do before the book came out. And then we actually pre recorded the spoiler section where we actually got to ask him questions. And that was the more fun part. And he actually had fun talking about it because he was saying that, you know, I, I write the book and I, I rarely get to talk about it. And even recently with Connor Sullivan, right? He's like, we talked to him about Sleeping Big Air, which at the time he had wrote a long time ago. And it was like, oh, this is fun to like actually go back and think about what I wrote because I'm, I'm so far removed from it, especially, you know, by the time we get it, they've dropped it off. I don't know, six months, a couple months before that. And then by, by the time we get to read it, you know, it's even, even further on out. So I much prefer talking to him about actual nitty-gritty you know not like nitpicky stuff but you know like actual plot details we can go into that why did you why did you do this why did you kill that character you know as opposed to what do you got in store for us this time you know yep yep exactly exactly well that being said ty why don't you take us into your first reaction what'd you think when you first got the book opened the book read the little author's note in the very beginning and jumped into that incredible prologue and first chapter yeah, I uh, I felt the same way that we had discussed in previous ones, uh, you know, that I didn't really care too much about the prologue. I want to know what was going on with, with Reese. Um, and it happened with the other, you know, the last last few books as well. And at a certain point in the story, I, I wish I had more of the prologue. But when I'm reading the prologue for the first time, for some reason, I typically just uh, want to get back to where the cliffhanger had happened. 
and they kind of make you make you wait a little bit. But I like the prologue. It definitely had some very big bond, big uh, big bond vibes, some some uh, yeah. Fleming vibes for sure. So um, I really enjoyed it. You know, I could almost like hear theme music for some of the scenes that was going on during the Cold War. So I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought the author's note was was good. It's always solid. Same with uh, the epilogue is always solid too. And having just uh just I, I read a little bit of it and then I listened to the rest from uh, Ray Porter and uh, it's always enjoyable. That's the way I've consumed pretty much all the other ones. The first time around was with with Ray Porter reading it and then I'll go back and read them a second time. So having just done like one pass through, uh, I thought it just general overview. I thought it was very solid, pretty polished. I think in a in a good way. So. Yeah, I was thinking about you with that first chapter because we had spoken about wanting to get back to Reese. And if you leave a cliffhanger like you did and in the blood, yeah, we better open up with that. And so I think you're right. The prologue maybe distracts a little, but chapter one delivers. For sure. Absolutely delivers in that in that cell. And since you mentioned Ray Porter, that scene is one of the best things I've ever heard any audiobook narrator read. Yeah, we're inside Reese's head, and he's got the the voice speaking to him, and to hear Ray Porter do that just blows my mind. Were you satisfied once you finally got to the Reese plot line in chapter one, and then I guess kind of the bad guys scheming in chapter two? Absolutely, I think uh, I think it was pretty satisfying. I think maybe my only letdown, like I really like the struggle, you know, not knowing where he is and and learning him learning his way around and everything like that, and the, the complexity of him just being imprisoned basically i really enjoyed all that stuff um but i think him getting out even though you eventually learn how long it was i think maybe it was a little too easy um the gravity mm -hmm. i think of the end of the last book is kind of like ah eh, we're we're good it's it's okay he can he can go free even though you know you eventually learn who does it and has the impact on it and why um it feels like in the moment when he gets out, you know, you realize that like Alice had a little bit to do with, with him getting out and everything, but yeah. I don't know. And maybe yeah. she had a little bit to do with him getting in, you know, I feel yeah, like we don't we're, know. we're left on that cliffhanger. Yeah. I, I agree with you. I think, you know, he could have gone one of two ways. He, he could have left him in the prison longer and we could have seen a story develop outside, but you know, we want to see James Reese in action, you know, like I, yeah. I, I kind of, you know, I can see both sides. I think him being in being in like a gen pop uh, environment might have been more more fun, but the the seclusion and darkness is pretty awesome with the voices and stuff. But a gen pop scenario would would have definitely been entertaining and actiony, and you know someone maybe has some information that or it gives him some information that that puts him on a little bit more of a route to get out or something like that. You know, not necessarily a breakout, but what to do when he gets out and who to go after would be would would have been kind of cool, but. I'm I'm happy with how they did it because once he gets out, it's like it's back to back to the mission, back to like party time. Um, you know, where's where's the key for the safety deposit box? Where's yeah. where's the note? Um, he kind of pick picks up where he left off. Um, and it it's not that the prison time was for nothing either, because it does impact him pretty significantly, I feel. So you would have liked Reese to have a red, you know, uh, in there with Reese and a little bit. That helps spring him out or something. Not necessarily, not necessarily spring him out. He can still get out the way he he was in there. But I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I want more of him in imprisoned. Like I feel like the gravity of him getting getting arrested at the end of the last book mm. isn't carried over as intensely at the beginning of this one. Yeah, he's just in solitary confinement. You eventually learn he's in there in there for ninety Three days. months. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. you know, which is pretty significant. But as you're reading it, you're like. Ah, you know, obviously he's starting to either lose his shit or he's just hearing some voices in the darkness and can't really figure out his time discrepancies and things like that. So I just think maybe the intensity of the end of the last book isn't quite carried as intense into the prison sentence. I see it. I think I think it hits, you know, reading it because like we had the arcs. And so I listened to the first three chapters with the audio book and we, we did a pod. And then I, you know, I, of course, being me, I had to keep going. So then I picked up the <laughs> book and I started reading. And then, you know, I guess it's like two more chapters. We get back to another, another prison scene and just like re me reading it. It helped that I had had like Ray Porter's like voice in my head and I could kind of like 
as I was reading, self-narrate myself to that. But I could see how if I'm just reading it for the first time like that, that first chapter doesn't hit that hard. And I, I kind of agree that like maybe the intensity isn't ratcheted up like that after coming off the end of the last book. But, you know, I guess he could have gone one of two ways, you know, especially, you know, hearkening back to like a James Bond movie or some sort of spy movie where he's in there. Alice sneaks in, you know, like an AirPod or something and is able to communicate with him. Are you, this is how you need to get out. That, yeah. I could see how that would be kind of cool to do. But I will say I did like getting, you know, this inner demon idea of uh, like meeting, you know, seeing a little bit of a breakdown of, of James Reese and, you know, seeing a little bit more of the man who he is. And I, cause I think like the whole novel and what this three book arc has been about like the connections to his father, connection to his past, you know, we're sort of moving away. We're kind of, he brings up Lucy and, and Lauren like a little bit, but we're, we're, we're now like that far removed from them and we're, we're seeing a little bit different side of him. So I, I I don't know. I like the progression of James Reese, especially like what what we saw of him, you know, being in that isolation. And I think it's like a big shock. Like he's like, holy shit! Like I was in there three months. Like that when I read that line, I was like, wow. Yeah, for sure. Because I think to the reader, you don't expect him to be in there that long. Just the way it's written, you know, you kind of have a little bit of an idea. He says his hair is down to his shoulders and his beard's right. super long and stuff. But yeah, it is. It is a little bit of a shock. I like his behavior and everything when he gets out. And I thought that the chapters with Katie surprising him at the at the hotel and everything was pretty, you know, spot on and well written and, you know, spicy, pretty entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just just for being, you know, some spicy chapters. It was actually pretty entertaining and, and like the dialogue felt natural. Um, I felt like the dialogue felt pretty genuine. So I, I like um, I think his his dialogue and the back and forth between characters and um, his action is super polished. Like I've never read action as yeah. polished as this. Like I can imagine it so well, especially jujitsu stuff um, the way it's described. And actually he talked about that a little bit. That was probably the most interesting thing he said at the event that I attended was that he has a friend. Can't recall if he's an army guy or a, a Navy guy. He's either, I don't know if he's a CAG operator or a SEAL, but him and his wife, um, basically Jack will send them a description of what he wants done. And this husband and wife film the action sequence on their phones or cameras and send it to Jack. And he writes it out in more detail. He like slow motions it and, uh, and oh. we'll, we'll type it out. So oh, that's how that's he sick. gets his, his action cool. sequences so so well. So he'll basically say like, okay, hand-to-hand combat, hatchet comes out, hatchet to head, and then they'll film it and he'll do all their details and stuff on the pages, which is pretty pretty cool detail, I thought. It was, since you, you brought up the, that's really cool, and since you brought up the action, I feel like Jack leveled up here. I haven't, and Chris, you you mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes. You asked has he written action this consistent, this gripping, and, and this often since Terminalist? And at the time, I said, I think Savage Son matched the action. So I, I said, I, this is definitely his best action writing since Savage Son. I might even go back and say, in terms of consistency, start to finish, and how hard these action scenes hit, whether we're in the bank you know, in the first third or so, the sauna in that second third, or the the nuke scene on the yacht in the in Act Three. I don't know, man. I might actually take you up on that, Chris, and say, yeah, this might be the best written action sequence, start to finish, that he's done since Terminalist. I, I might actually bump it up above Savage Sun, just because Savage Sun, I, the only ones I could really recall that were pure thriller was the hunting in the woods on Kamchatka Peninsula. Right. There were a few other things sprinkled in for sure, but it kept coming back to that one setting where here we're in a bank, we're in a sauna, you know, we're, we're on a boat in the Mediterranean. I feel like he's doing something different here that just hits so hard. The one that stands out to me from uh, In the Blood is the meat locker fight. That right. too. Oh, yeah. Right. Really, really stands out. Um super well described and he talked about that as well um he said you know he he felt like the devil's hand was a little weak and he thinks you know he started writing 
for the Amazon show around, you know, shortly after that. And he thinks the screenwriting and things for the Amazon show has helped mm. him hmm. change a little bit for the books in some ways. But I know we had discussed that offline before. So, but um, I was curious to see, I know, I know you guys both ragged on the cover originally, and I was curious if you guys still feel that way or not, because I do not, I like the cover now, especially because the Winkler Tomahawk is a one-to-one scale. I, I love the cover from the beginning. I, I don't remember what you speak of. We uh, we might have picked <laughs> our nits as we tend to do, but no, I think from the jump, I love this one. And then we like to judge a cover by the book. If you're judging this by the book, it's perfect. I mean, I'll give it even more of a shout because yeah. the angle, we, we feel like we're in the water and that happens. Reese uses the water. Maybe it was Chris then said it felt too much like a romance novel, I think. He did. I, he did. That's so I, I, I did. All right. You <laughs> caught me. But I will say after reading the book and like, you know, we're big fans about you, know, you have the book cover, I believe, has to has to mean something to the novel, you know, or, you know, it can't just be some generic bullshit or it can't just be something that has <laughs> no, no, un, you know. I'll never forget the the snow train in a Mitrap novel where there was no snow, there was no train. I but I digress. Um, oh no, this, this, this cover is awesome, and now that we we know that you know that's obviously off the coast of Tel Aviv, and like the the emotional impact of the final scene, or it's not even the final scene, but the, like you know the climax of the story on yeah. the boat with the tomahawk. The cover's amazing. Yeah, no, I, I I take back my words. I really enjoyed every setting we ended up going to, especially Colorado um, with the yeah. safe house with Poe, Poe's house for some reason. And, you know, just when you think, you know, everything about Reese and his, his backstory, learning yeah, how he spent his childhood there with, with, uh, with Thomas um, is pretty significant. And it just like cements a even better foundation for him prior to the terminal list that you didn't know, but now like it makes more sense. has more f- genuine feel to it. And what do you guys think? I'm, I'm really happy with how much we learned about James's dad in this, in this novel. This was a Tom Reese story. And I think it was a brilliant move because Chris talked about how he thinks this book is going to bring some finality and closure to a lot. And I think the payoff was there because we've gotten hints about Tom Reese He's been speaking to James in the last few books, you know, as a, as a ghost. And I think to actually write him on the page doing some stuff in his day, I call it the Poe and Stowe storyline, you know, I think was perfectly done. It was the right time for it. And I will say this is a Tom Reese story. I, yeah. I mean, as much as it's a James Reese story, it's also a Tom Reese story. And I think it was a perfect time in the series to do that. And then even thinking to the prologue, Man, the way I think Martha Stowe is describing Tom Reese, we even get some really like chilling language. Actually, I wrote this one down. She says, quote, she took stock of the man across the table. He wasn't smiling. The eyes weren't so much cold as they were perceptive and alert, penetrating. She had not seen eyes like that before. I I just love our introduction to actually seeing Tom operate and be a CIA uh, officer. Yeah, I don't know why. I, the detail that stuck with me the most from that prologue is that he had a Mac V Sog lighter. I don't know why. That's just such a ba- such a badass like image to have that this guy at a table she doesn't know that's somewhat intimidating, but she has the balls to talk to the way she does. Yeah, uh, just ha- has that has that item. And for those of you that know the details of someone who has something like that, it makes it a little bit more significant. I love the speakeasy. The speakeasy yeah. scene yeah, speakeasy was just so style. cool. And they were doing SDRs to get there. She was following her husband. I just I thought that was perfectly done. I yeah. wanted to see Spycraft in that era. We've been pining for that in, in a lot of different books because you can do it with, you know, Mitch Rapp's mentor, Thomas Stansfield. You can do it in Brad Thor with the old man or with um, what's Scott's uh, uncle's name? You know, not real uncle, but uh, Gary. Gary Lawler, like we wanted to see that. And we got a few glimpses of Tom Reese doing that in the Cold yeah. War era. And then it was tied into the Vietnam stuff. And and I thought it was perfectly done. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, the only thing that could have made it a little bit better is that James has his dad's shotgun. I wish that would have would have made a debut into yeah. taking yeah. somebody out. But yeah, no, I thought it was good. And I, I agree 
I was going to ask Chris what he thought. I think if we would have waited another book to have a Thomas Reese focused story, it would have been a little burnt out or or too late if we just like ended up with another Thomas Reese cliffhanger in this one. Like yes. he found the safety deposit box at the end. You're like, Jesus, come on. Like, you know, we, we've been getting the cliffhanger about Thomas Reese for the last yep. three or four. But I, I, I love all the detail. And I think that there's a lot more like we think that, you know, this is definitely a Thomas Reese focused story, but there is a ton of uncovered items well we might want to i mean maybe this could be a next arc because i feel like we've had six books that's two trilogies in a sense loosely saying what if james starts planting these seeds and you know who knows if it will ever be for a child of his own or or someone else who's picking up the mantle of the work that needs to be done and what needs to be put in to keep america dominant in the next you know couple decades and century what if James starts planting some of these seeds, you know, leaving notes, leaving safety deposits or having some like some stash stuff like these documents he uncovered? Like, yeah, we know he sent them to the news outlets or at least he said he did. And maybe that was a hedge. We don't know. But I want to see him trying to plant seeds that are going to have a payoff now two, three books down the line. You know, his father planted the seeds. They saved him. Yeah. How is he doing that and planning ahead for future threats? that we can't even see yet, but that Alice might be able to help him see. Yeah. I really like characters that are, are a step ahead of the competition. And, you know, those type of twists for me are more enjoyable than betrayal twists and who whodunits or, you know, identity reveals. I really like when a character unbeknownst to you is a step ahead of, of the competition, especially, you know, a main character or someone like in Rafe's position, that's a, that's a friend character and just, you know, planning ahead and it pays off. That those types of reveals are more satisfying, I think. And speaking of Rafe, I think for being this secondary badass of of this novel, I think that uh, I think he really shines in Savage Son the most. But in this one, I think he he plays his part pretty well. And I love Ray Porter doing the South African accent and stuff, and you know, really differentiating his character that way. And um, especially with Rafe at the end as well, you know the. The person that, yeah. that he's talking to, you know, notices the South that, African, the, the German spy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. If if Savage Son was like his coming out story, you know, this is this is his, you know, sophomore year. You know, like it, it, he's really becoming the true, you know, just to go back to our roots, the, the Scott Hart, the the um, Scott, not Scott Harvick, the, the, the Scott Coleman to the Mitch Rapp, you know, or, or you know, whoever Scott's daily, uh, you know, bookly sidekick is. Yeah, I think, you know, sort of piggyback on what both of you guys said, I, I think if we had, we didn't have this closure with Tom Reese, I would have just felt like it, you know, is he ever, it's, it's never going to be solved. You know, it's like, it's it's just always going to be pushed and pushed and pushed. It's like, you know, a never ending thing. I'm interested to see, you know, do we fully trust Alice? You know, is he going to start trying to plant ways to subvert Alice, you know, or contingency plans to, to go against her? Does he, I, I personally don't fully trust Alice. Yeah, and I, I think you know we we sort of said it. I think I said it last time, but it, the writing in this in this has really was taken up a level. And I think it, it shines in the action, it shines in the plot, it shines in the dialogue. So, yeah, I think while that's true, and I've seen a few other people post this, Ty, I want to get your thoughts on it. The exposition at times was a little long winded. We commented on it briefly in our episodes. It wasn't enough to, you know, totally drop our scores very heavily, as we'll see in a minute. It wasn't enough to really complain or, or take away from how good this book is. But I felt there were some times we could trim the fat, whether it's going into stuff about the POWs back in Vietnam or I like Archer that stuff. The, I didn't I, like, I like the stock. I didn't like the financial like uh, okay, maybe stock the economics. Stuff. Yeah, the economics yeah. lesson though. I feel yeah. like. That did not need to be what I think. I didn't count. It might be the longest chapter in the book, or unfortunately, it felt the longest. I th I think there's a little fat, but not much. And what I what I think, why I think it should be left in, and that I'm happy it is, is um, he does a re really good job at wrapping fiction and nonfiction historical events together. Yeah. And if you you know look in there, there's a lot of nonfiction historical events that that take place, and so. Him wrapping those those things together, I think, is a little bit needed to make it feel a little bit more more grounded. Because if not, he's just gonna turn this character into another, um, you know, 
airport thriller novel yeah. main character, I think. And keeping it grounded is is pretty important. Um, something else he had talked about was that these books are on he's done a, a two book deal every time. So this is the last book for that, for this third deal with, with Simon and Schuster. And um, he's doing that nonfiction series as well. And that's going to be an every two year release for that series, um, which I think that book is coming out next year, his first one for that series. And I don't know if we're going to see, I don't, I don't think we'll see an end to James Reese anytime soon, but I think James Reese might be on an every two year theme maybe coming up. And someone else might be, might be filling in, either a Rafe Hastings or a Thomas Reese, uh, you know, Vietnam era spy thriller. Are you breaking news right now? Do you have? Any I, I'm not breaking. I'm not breaking shit, Chris. I'm just okay. So uh, no, whenever, you know, whenever, uh, every every time I see Jack, all we talk about is is Land Cruisers. So we never okay. really talk about anything fun like like uh, book release stuff. But I do know that. That the nonfiction series is tight is is scheduled for an every two year release, which I'm looking forward to. You you know I is it mean is it bad of me to say I I wouldn't mind that you know to take more time for these novels. Sometimes I feel you know I, maybe I'm the only one on this island, but you know we cover we've been covering two book series now that have 21 books, and while I've enjoyed most of them, some of them I feel like could have spent a little more time in the oven. And I understand that these, these, you know, it's all capitalism, right? So it's driven by book sales. It's driven by, you know, and I, I hate to say it. Maybe this is why you know, Kyle's getting out of the game because he, there's a, this pressure, you, you expectation. You do one book, and then literally they take a week off, and they they gotta they gotta have the draft of the next one. And you know, I guess the great writers, yeah, I don't know. Name me one series where every single book has hit. Mike, do you know one in in this in this genre? Uh, no, but I would guarantee what you're saying. It wouldn't be one where the book comes out every year. Yeah, you're right. So, it wouldn't. If it were to happen, it can't be a book every year that goes 15, 20, 25. You know, that's. I don't think it's a recipe for success with the art. It's a recipe for money and profit, mm -hmm. but not for success with an artist because that's what an author is you know, doing their craft. You get more and more of these authors that are doing three books a year, you know, or, you know, three different series and like, how to, and yeah, he can, he is able to produce them, but you know, well, there it is. I'm the, the closest I could think of right now from what I've read in the last year or two is Andrews and Wilson. And I, I think a big part of that is they didn't have to come up with a tier one book every single year. Mm, they're jumping you know, they can do them yeah, yeah, yeah. when they had the story to tell and when it made sense. And then they could work on Sons of Valor. You know, we're not going to write a Dempsey book this year or a couple of years. We're going to write a Sons of Valor book. And there's only two. And they're amazing. The same thing with their Shepherd series. I, I kind of feel their Shepherd series is getting so much steam it might become that annual release. But I, I don't think – we got three books. I don't think they were back to back to back. And if they were, it didn't feel like it. It wasn't this pressure of like, you know, their book comes out every July, Brad Thor, or their book comes out every September, you know, Mitch Rapp. There wasn't that pressure. I, and they're navigating a bunch of things. And now I think they're even getting into the Clancy verse. So they have so much on their plates, but I think they've navigated that, not in this corporate, here's your deadline, this one book has to be at this time, but more what artistically did they want to work on and produce? at that time. And I hope they can keep that alive with how much shit they have going on. But I think you're right in saying the authors who don't do this formulaic model, get a deal, publisher says this date, you need this thing, but instead can write the stories they want to write, you get a better product. And and in the yeah. long run, that better product is going to make you more money because people like it more. Yeah. Or so we'd hope. I have I have a feeling that that Jack has a Thomas Reese story either semi done or already done and just is waiting for the right time to let it, let it out. And I think this nonfiction series he said was originally slated for a yearly release. And then he started really digging in to the material with a uh, subject matter expert. And he's like, yeah, there's, this isn't going to happen every year. So yeah. um, I think what they'll do is a nonfiction one every other year, a James Reese one every other year, and then a, mi a mix in of a, 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 a uh, spinoff like one Rafe Hastings book one Thomas Reese book and then you know I don't I don't see those ones really becoming 
their own series, but it's it's anything's possible. I mean, uh, those characters have huge followings. Yeah, and I, I I could see I would love you know now we know that Poe was a bad guy and we've seen his downfall, but you know there's still a lot of meat in the bones. His interactions with Tom, you know, can yeah. you see where the betrayal is? You know. You know, obviously, at one point they were somewhat friends, and like you know, like you could you could do a lot, a lot with that. So, yeah. Correction: Andrews Wilson <laughs> did come out with the Shepherd series every year, and <laughs> Sons of Valor in back to back years. But I mean, but that's two authors. They're two authors, right? So they're co-authors. So they're doing something different. So that right there breaks the mold, right? I think you're getting a better product because they're tag teaming and breaking the mold. You know. They might be able to come out with it every year, but they have some sort of, you know, process that works differently than I think just crank out the book, deadline, start the next one, crank out the book, deadline, publish, start the next one. I want to see more authors break the mold. I've, I've never read those series. So do you guys do you guys feel like when you read them, you can feel and sense when one of them is in charge of a chapter and another person's in charge of another one? Like, is it feel very continuous or does it feel like a little choppy? They're so smooth. Uh, cool. And good. I've asked them this, and and every interview they do, they talk, they get asked, "Tell us about the process of co-writing." They have some magic. They got the secret sauce. I don't know what it is, but uh, their books just work. Uh, they're just awesome good. dudes. Yeah, it works. I think you'd love both Tier One and Sons of Valor, but I would start with Sons of Valor. Yeah, I have Tier One. Yeah, I have Tier One. Uh, I'll I'll grab Sons of Sons of Valor and throw it on my bookshelf. I don't know if you've seen or not what my bookshelf looks like, but I have a lot of shit going on on that thing. I believe it. I think, uh, but they, the way they explained it is like by the time it ends up, you know, because they go back and forth so many times that that you can't even like parse like who wrote which part of each sentence. It, it just becomes their their co voice, you know. So that's awesome. Do do we want to get into the scorecard, guys? Let's do it. That's what we're here for. <laughs> Everything else was prologue. Let's uh, let's kick it off with some action. Uh, Tyler, you're our guest. Give us your action score out of ten. How do you think this one held up? I uh, it's a ten. Yes, sir. Yes, it's a, yes, it's straight tens. If, if anyone didn't give it a ten, I, we would have them fighting words, you know. <laughs> All right, the, I guess the yeah. question is, which is your favorite action scene? Um, honestly, I think the bank and and at, right after the bank for for mm-hmm. some reason, I I really like in the bank bathroom. Um, you know, then he goes to use the copyright. I just imagine in my head. Him walking across the street, jumping in the back of the SUV, and it, <gasps> it, it, it it's shaking. Yes, and like someone else opens the door and gets dragged in, and like the the windows are just getting sprayed with blood, and it's shaking again. And like another guy walking up to there and getting fucking yanked in, yep. and just this car just eating people because he's in there just tearing it up. Could, could you imagine like filming that scene where you have a camera that's outside? And you just see, you just see like the movement, and then you cut back to it, like what's actually going on inside, and then you cut back, and it's like you know to have that juxtaposition. And you play with the sound, like the Gray Man yes. did that, oh, where sure. when you're on the outside, the song is reduced, the decibel right. level is so yeah, low, right. Right. and then when you cut back inside, it just blasts you with the jarring music. That'd be super yeah. cool. What about you, Mike? What's what's your favorite action scene? Well, we were talking about it last time, and so yeah, if Ty said the bank. We know you said the the yacht and the nuke. You drove a hard bargain. I thought your reasoning there was so good. I I came around and I agreed with you. But when I first read it, I would have said the sauna scene. So I think we're all yeah. taking a different bent here. When he improvises with the sauna rock in the towel, one of my that was yeah. one of my favorite improvised weapons he's ever used, and he's had some good ones. I see. I was going to take you as a. Uh... As a, a zip tie gun to the nuts kind of guy, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I think that was more interrogation scene, less yeah, less yeah, of an action yeah. sequence. But yeah, 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 yeah. And while it's a good one, I still think the uh, I think the Savage Son interrogation scene. That's the one with the with the peppers. I think right the pepper oh, scenes. Yes. That's the that's the best. The that's capsaic, the best one. The capsaicin. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Which was also in Senator Thorne's cabin. That was a yes. different cabin. Yep. But he does the same thing here on that ranch in upstate New York. Actually, Ashokan. Yeah, uh, we actually went there on a few Boy Scout trips, and I was thinking, man, if if when we were camping and James <laughs> Reese was doing that, like a couple hundred yards away in the woods, uh, that'd be nasty. <laughs> That's funny. Well, plot. What'd you think uh, about the plot? How did it develop? And and this one also gets ten points. So Tyler, what do you say? I think uh, 
mainly because of the Thomas Reese connections, you know, him finally unraveling his, his father's breadcrumbs essentially. Um, I'm going to, I give it like an eight. Yeah. I think, I think like the gravity of finally getting rid of these cliffhangers from the, the last couple novels is, is like a huge payoff and done really well. But I think the only thing holding it up is maybe the bad guys. I, I was going to go higher than that. I was going to go a nine. And the one point I'm dinging for it is, is, you know, some of those chapters that Mike had referenced where, especially in the beginning, we were getting a lot from like the Russians point of view, like the, them pretty much just telling us their entire, you know, what they were going to do. There was no mystery to, you their, know, their to model it at all. <laughs> um, but uh, like, I liked when they cut to, and we never were like, I guess we found out that the guy died, but you know, like the truck driver who drove the uranium, you know, across the border into, into Iran and took it back. And like, you could have just had like those kind of things and forced us to kind of piece it together a little bit. Um, and then like, you know, some of the stuff that he, his interactions with, you know, literally, literally break down what, what the Russians were doing with Dan Reb and, and, and Rafe. But besides that, I, you know, I like the payoffs. I like the Tom Reese stuff. I liked, you know, the scenes in the prison, you know, I liked the Poe and, 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 you know, like flash forwarding with, with the Stowe character, Martha Stowe character. So yeah, I, I got to give it to nine. I think I'm going to settle right in between you two fellas then <laughs> with an eight and a half. I originally was going to go as high as a nine. I think the way you developed Poe and Stowe and brought up, brought in Tom Reese, like you're saying, Tyler was perfect. Really well done. Uh, the exposition, I gotta say it was just a little unbalanced it it took you out of the plot at times mainly the economics lesson you know let's yeah. let's table that at this point but yeah we said what needed to be said there but just a couple other pieces of exposition i know i agree with you guys i love the faction what's real what's not the historical tie-ins i'm a big fan of that but i think how and when they were placed just could have used some tweaking so i'm gonna go eight and a half Though I I could I could bump that up to a nine with some convincing, so I'm right there. I'm on the cusp. I think uh, other than the German and Poe, which we know we don't obviously know until till the reveal. I really think the bad guys are kind of weak. I mean, we have the one eyed, the one eyed guy that's a continuous bad guy for a little bit, but I really like the German. I wish there was actually maybe a little bit more with him. I could have seen the Russians coming after him and then him trying to maybe help James or have James save his ass because he can see what he can do. But I like, I like the German character. I hope, I hope he makes a re- reappearance later on down the road, which I think he will. So. I think he will. Yeah. Rafe wants yeah. to hire him. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I saw him. You remind me, you, you have not read the mid trap series. I have not. Yeah. So he, there's this one character, his name's Grisha and he, he's like, originally an ally originally a foe and becomes an ally so i see him i could see this guy potentially becoming something like that yeah Re- really intrigued by him but you know besides him i guess you know we have the two bumbling idiots uh the russians you know trying yeah. to you know with with putin and and there is it putin does he say putin or that was the other he says the, the president the russian president yeah yeah, yeah. and then you know, we have like the other, you know, the Russian mafia, but none of them like really stood out that much. So I, I went as low as a three. So the bad guys are out of five. So I, yeah, I, I brought it down as well for those reasons. Dashkov and Levitsky, the way their feud and their battle and jockeying for power in the, in the inner circle, I thought it was a really neat idea, but it wasn't developed. It was almost half baked. No. Every Levitsky time he was killed off can't off off book, right? Essentially, we get a we get a line that he was shot in a park. And he also just kept screwing up. He, he like, yeah, never did anything right where I would expect he's going to he's going to one up Dashkov or he's going to have more influence. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess Levitsky, I just thought could have been a little more intimidating. He got whacked like some bum with no one name tag on. <laughs> Nothing. Just right. shot in the park. Yeah. It's a very Russian thing, know. though. But yeah. I yeah, so I went three and a half there on the bad guys. What did you say your score was there, Tyler? Uh, probably three for bad guys. I think they, I think they might be the weakest part of the of the book. I think maybe if like we just had one more good recurring bad guy that was either either mentally 
or physically on James's level. Um, you know, in other novels, we either have one that's mentally on the same level or physically on the same level. You yeah. know, they're never wrapped up in the same person. That's why he's he's like the best of both worlds. And I think if we had somebody like that, I think the German was mentally or strategically on that level, you know, for strategy or, you know, history or combat. You know, but he whatever. wasn't there long enough. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 waited on the corner and watched his watched his 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 Russian bodies get slayed, yeah. like a Nizar Katan, someone like that to play that. Yeah, role. yeah. We, we also follow at one point that Wagner Group acolyte, you know, who's rising through the ranks. Like we we get his backstory too about his mom who was a prostitute, and yeah, and the reason he like is what he is because he he killed like some guy who was beating his mom, and like I, I thought like he was going to become like you know, this adversary. And then, but then they also bring in the leader of the Wagner group. And he's like, this is supposed to be the scary guy. I, honestly, maybe, maybe you could argue there was too many bad, like too many villains in here, not enough depth or interactions into one of them. I will say the kills where he's like, after once he hooks up with the Israelis and goes to take, takes out Dashkov and the, the Wagner group guy with the, with the car, those are pretty cool. But yeah, uh, yeah. It's, it's a little too much bloat. That's right. You had yeah. a car chase, Tyler. You're you're a car guy. Yeah. What'd you think of that? I thought it was awesome. It was pretty pretty well well written. I like the mo- you know the motorcycle guys as well. There at the bank, you know, he comes out and see- doesn't see the bikes and thinks that they're circling basically. And uh, I also like the Germans' bluff. You know, he doesn't have anybody after Katie or Rafe. Really, you know, I I don't know that adds something to his character a little bit likable that he was able to bluff his way out of that and that James does not have a poker face and that he totally bought into it. Um, right. Right. You know, I, I also really love the scene at the banquet where he gets the stiletto knife and uh, put, puts it to work. So. Oh, from his dad. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I guess maybe this can go to buy-in perhaps next. We'll also, we'll get to the good guys, but I think we're, we're on buy-in here and, Things like the package. He actually finds the package from his father. He opens it up. Did you feel that paid off? Did that satisfy you when he's going through these weapons, the old knife, a couple other things from his early uh, CIA days, and the letter? Did all that pay off for you because it's been building so much? Yeah, I think I think it did. the The letter and the the knife and there there's an axe and there an old tomahawk from Vietnam. I think those items specifically, but actually the the item that the actual main story is about the list. I really think if it was just the list, I think it may not have paid off as well. And I do like that Thomas had a list, just like James had. You know, it just gives them something else in common. Right. Right. I I. I I know that's kind of like the theme of like a couple of a couple of the books, obviously, but I really I really like that. And you know, he's gonna he's gonna finish his dad's list basically, you know. So we'll see if that comes to fruition in the next in the next novel at all. But I really liked that his he's all about ancient forms of combat and his dad hands him a couple of tools from ancient forms of combat and he he you know they're they're really helpful at the, like the perfect time. So how about this one? The fact that Everything he was doing to one compile that list and two track down the the POWs and the stories of the POWs to you know to hopefully get justice for what what we did by abandoning them. Did you feel that having Poe playing Tom Reese was a, was a good payoff? The fact that Poe was essentially distracting him with that to keep him from doing his research on the collective and in getting the links to the collective. Did you buy that whole piece? That subterfuge there? Yeah, I I do because you know it, he he even says at the end, you know, I I kept Thomas Reese busy with for twenty years with that. It worked. And while it kept him busy for twenty years, it wasn't for nothing. I think that you'll learn some more things about Thomas Reese, and you'll see that there's been some extreme success out of that venture. And I think that that led to him compiling this list. So while he was still doing research on the collective publicly and to Poe's eyes, you know, I think he was, he was doing the POW thing, which Poe thinks he distracted him with that. But I think really that's gonna, gonna lead somewhere else to where it kind of did him in actually. So I, while, like I said, I don't like, I I like whenever characters are a step ahead. So Thomas does not seem like the type of person that can be fooled by, by Poe 
while they they share friendship, I think he may have been a little bit weary. So Tom had an ace in the hole against Poe. I'm maybe. hoping so. See, I I like to see characters succeed, but not too easily like that. And uh, we'll see. Playing the long game. Intriguing. So what does that mean for a buy-in score out of five? We talked action. We talked plot. We talked about these villains, the Tom Reese stuff. Overall, how bought in were you to this book, start to finish? Out of five? Yep. I'm going to say four. I, I think uh, bad guys is the only thing holding it back. Setting, action, like a description, you know, as far as like describing the action and stuff for me is like the the gold ticket for this book, really. You know, like I said, it's so polished. Uh, dialogue was great. You know, char- all the characters that we already know is are there. The the new characters that get introduced are well enough described in a sh- you know other than the the economics lesson, they're described in a short enough amount of time and makes sense. You know, there was uh, what was that in the was it in the blood? There was a, no no. I'm sorry, uh, Devil's Hand. I think there was a character that gets introduced in like the th- the th- third quarter, and they he like just throws all the information for this mole at you in one chapter and like right. you had not heard that. about him right. prior i think that this was a lot more sprinkled throughout nicely rather than just like lopping everything at you for this one mole and the prologue establishes that by yeah. doing the poe and stowe stuff yeah yeah i agree so what i'm hearing is you're going five on the good guys then come on it's got to be we got tom yeah. we got rafe we got dan reb we got vic a little bit of alice like you going yeah. five yeah, f- five for good guys, I think, for sure. I think we're but, all on the same know, page. If we if we yeah. think back as good as this is, like for me, Savage Savage Son is still number one. And I think it's because the bad guys in Savage Son are, are so great. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and the bad guys are great in Terminalist too. And I, I really think they're built around these ways that, that Jack wanted to kill them off, um, which I know, Chris, you, you had talked about before. But um, the bad guys in Savage Sun are so good. I think if we have like another batch of bad guys that are memorable and ha- are driven and have that kind of dialogue and feel like real people rather than a, a couple of older guys that are in the hierarchy fighting over power, I think uh, it might, you know, have upped it a little bit. We just needed a couple of them. A couple guys like the German that were a little bit more bad than how the German was, I think. Or tweaked some of the the the, the Russian, the Dashkov and the Levitsky yeah. plot line. You know, maybe had a little more scenes with Levitsky by himself than just always from Dashkov's point of view. Yeah. So you know, you mentioned setting. I, I think I think this book is pretty strong at setting. I think we we go to places, we get a lot of good descriptions. You know, nothing feels out of place. Everything like has its, you know, meaning. So I, I said a 4.5. I don't I, mean, I don't know what I, I could give it a five too. I don't know why I, I really have anything to super nitpick about, about it. Um, I guess one thing with buy-in, I, I gave it a four and a half. The one thing I was like holding up on is just, or not holding up on one thing I boosted is that I actually believe, you know, the motivations behind you know, sort of the, all the exposition we got, we got, from the Russian point of view, I believed it. I believed like why they would be doing certain things, why they would want to start this war with with Israel and Iran and stuff like that. Yeah, that it would draw to get us out in. of Ukraine. Yeah, yeah, and then and then allow like China to 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 go after Taiwan and create this you know global new axis and adverse allies. So, you know, the just the root story of the plot, like what is trying to be stopped. I was one hundred percent bought in on that too. So, yeah, that's why I went four and a half as well. I. I kind of forgot about that stuff, but when it's being explained to you, you're so into it. It's like I'm reading, yeah. you know, some geopolitics magazine or, you know, or a blog post by someone who knows what the hell they're talking about. So I love those scenes when they're happening. They're a little less memorable when you get to the action. You kind of forget that that was all built up as the backdrop. But right, right. Yeah, it's still there and it's still really good as you're reading it. Four and a half for buying on me too. All right, guys, that just leaves the setting, uh, the cover and the free space setting you said you liked it tyler what are you gonna actually give it out of five uh i'll give it a five i i really like okay. all the all the set pieces uh all of the uh all the action pieces are, are great you know the three big ones we talked about and even the the non-action pieces you know the hotel after he gets out even though it's pitch black him in solitary confinement is interesting and not like super boring because of the dialogue especially when ray porter's reading it 
Yeah, we go a lot of places. Like now that you're yeah. talking about, like we, we go everywhere. I believe Poe's place is in Colorado. That place uh, stand really stands out to me, like the bank fight, and then Poe's place, like how it's described, just being like a cabin that, that's a safe house in the middle of the woods and somewhere that he spent some of his childhood. You know, a lot of the background details of him and Thomas being there stood out to me. I really like Poe's place with the, you know the two dogs and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, we go a lot of places. The yacht's great. The sauna. Yeah, I the, feel like you're moving yeah, through the sa- sauna. Yeah, sauna is changing awesome. room into the sauna. Absolutely. The description of like that Russian, what, what was this the secret city? Like the depiction of the, like oh, the description too. of that, uh, the description of like Martha's Vineyard back in the day, like in the yeah. in prologue. Like he's, he's every place we go, it felt tactile. It felt real. Yeah. Even in, in DC, uh, the stuff in DC at the end and in the epilogue is, is pretty awesome too. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I I think you convinced me of the five. I'm gonna give it half a point. I went four and a half. I, I'm going to the five. Mike is so easy to persuade. Yep, he is. When you make you, a you good argument, this. man, I'm gonna listen. <laughs> when you tell the truth, when you speak truth, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it. You guys want to do your free space? Give us your winner, and then we can wrap up with some cover talk. What do you think? Fair enough. Or right, yeah, we I already press- talked to cover. We talked to cover a little bit. So you want to just say your score because we we already uh. Broke it down earlier. Yeah, so I'm I'm gonna guess Tyler's giving it a five, and I'm giving it a, I'm giving it a four and a half. You know, it's still got that little bit of romantic vibe, but it's higher than I initially gave it. You know, it's, it's way higher than I initially was thinking because uh, of how much I appreciate the boat scene, how much I, I love the boat scene, and the fact that it it takes center stage, and the tomahawk. You know, like especially is that that's his is that his dad's tomahawk? Is that the older one? Or is that a new tomahawk? I mean that that one is it, it looks how James's looks okay, in every book sure. but what's really cool is on the on the hardback i i have one of those tomahawks from daniel winkler um that i had made for me last year and if i set mine on top it's one-to-one it's scale. the actual size that's pretty cool it's one-to-one scale that's cool so, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna pick a uh i, I don't want to really go too heavy into this i love cover a which is what we're calling the the standard u.s release Cover B and C, which you can't see here, Tyler, but if you just Google up the international versions. Yeah, so that's why I'm giving it a four and a half because the other covers yeah. are pretty pretty grabby. I went down to four on it because one of them has the Kremlin all like glitz and glamour. It almost looks like Disney World Kremlin style. I'm like, or St. Basil's. I'm like, not enough of this book happens in Moscow and Red Square. Why would you highlight the Levitsky Dashkov stuff? over some other scenes like i'd much rather that be the yacht as it is in the u.s version you know or or even the sauna or the speakeasy in new york something else besides the russian plot line to put on your cover and then cover c which i don't even know which one this is maybe the australian release i think i actually saw our buddy david shout out to david thriller fan i think i saw him uh publish a cut or post a copy of this one from down under i don't get the tunnel I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and we got a running man. I don't like yeah. B and C having the silhouette. <laughs> it almost looks like they're just floating. Like, you know, you just copy and pasted some silhouette like Ryan Steck's, you know, logo for the real book spy, and you just copy and pasted them into these cartoonish looking Disneyland scenes of a tunnel and a castle. Yeah, yeah I'm going to put them uh, in the chat for you. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at them right now, actually. Okay. But, um, but yeah, I don't I don't get the tunnel and I, I see what you're saying by the Disney stuff. You know, I I think the US standard release is, is pretty good. I'd give it a five. I'd give it a five if it was just that one. Yeah. I would love to know what goes into people's minds into like why they need to have three different covers for a brand new book. I understand like when you reissue something, you know, you want to freshen it up, you know, to have a new take yeah, maybe. or, or trade a- trade paperback. That makes yeah, sense. Exactly, exactly. The UK version of every one of these novels has like this, this like cut and paste thing. And I don't know. I maybe maybe it must be like whoever they they distribute the book with over there. That's that's how it works. But they usually suck. I'm just gonna be honest. The UK releases of most thrillers are really weak, bad. The weak link. The weak link. Yeah. All right. Well, you got to get to the winners and our guest. Our guest goes first. Uh, winners for me is Thomas Reese is number one for mm, sure. Yes, sir. That's a good for one. sure. Um, just getting a lot of his, his background and, and things that he worked on in his career and you get some payoffs 
And while I still feel like there's some cliffhangers in this, it really, it, it, it closed the book on like stuff you've been wanting to know, but also like that, that you actually just finished the chapter for Thomas Reese. I think that you still got a, a whole book to go for, for him and his history and stuff. So he's the winner for, for me, for this one. That's a good one. I think we, we could all have put that one. I'll slightly yeah. shift it a little bit. I'm going to do learning how to trade options and derivatives on the stock market. Oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> no, I'm going to say it, the prologue in chapter one. That just set the stage for me to that this book was going to be a banger. You know, and because it had Tom Reese early on, I love the Stowe characters and the scene on the dock. And if that prologue was just a one off and we didn't hear anything else about, you know, Newport and the dock and how they were shot, I would have been fine. But the fact that we later come back to it and hear Tom Reese right. saved Martha Stowe. Yeah. And shot I, the assassin. <laughs> exactly. He shot the assassin long range. A long range. Yeah. 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 With a pistol. I, I just thought the way that was handled was top notch. That's up there with like Le Carre stuff and some of the greats. To me, if you can isolate that, those yeah. parts of the writing in this book, you're, you're a world-class novelist in that. So I think Poe and Stowe, the opening scene, and even combining that with James Reese, James Reese in prison, I would I would give the shout out to Ray Porter there as well. The fact yeah. how Ray Porter nails prologue into chapter one is just a phenomenal firecracker of a start to this book. All right, my winner, my winner's got to be truth, <laughs> truth and consequence, truth and consequence. Uh, no, I. So honestly, the the real winner is is the action in this novel, and you got. I think I got to give it to Jack Carr, like in in his writing and how great, you know. Going from each of you know, you had one in each quarter of the book. These very impactful, and like we, at the end, he mentions R Rambo and his in inspiration for that. And I like saw that come through in in the writing, and you know the the various action scenes and how we progressed along, and just the creativity and use of weapons, use of you know, takeouts. I feel like whenever we were reading the action, it almost felt like the book was slowing down, and so like you you were sort of instead of but at the same time like their actions are actually going really fast like that i don't know if that makes any sense but i don't know i jack did a great job in this novel and i gotta i gotta give him praise so well guys that is good stuff we are pretty much on par with our final scores here chris and i both ending up at 45 and a half tyler coming in at an even 45 those are some solid scores on the Thriller Pod scorecard, which leads me to ask, where does this fall? We've got six James Reese books by Jack Carr. How does it line up? Tyler, we know you love Savage Son. Let, let me let me just remind what Tyler said last time when we did the In the Blood, right? We, we, no, we did this after Devil's Hands. Yeah, you had, saying, we did them out of order last time. Yeah, we did them out of order. So uh, Savage Son, you had Savage Son 1, Terminalist. In the blood, true believer, devil's hands. We all, uh, by the way, we all had devil's hands last. Yeah. So this is like squeezing in the three, the the number three spot for me. Woo. So okay. Everything that was three and under gets knocked down. And this is going number three. That's solid. That's pretty high, Chris. What what are you saying here? This is this is going number two. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> yeah, dude. I I love this book. It's it's Savage Son. Only the dead, true believer, terminalist in the blood. Uh, no, I said that wrong. Out of order. Savage son, only the dead, true believer, terminalist in the blood. Devil's hand. Ter terminalist is still my number two, mainly because of the impact it had on me the first time I read it. I wish I could read that book again for the first time. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm. I'm definitely the the outlier here. Not, not that I. Not that I didn't love terminalist, but like I just for some reason I've I've appreciated the other three more. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I think you also read it later than us when 
we where well, at least I read it, none of the other ones were out. I feel like by the time you had read it, you were able to then quickly jump into True Believer sure, yeah, and yeah, Savage yeah, yeah. Sun. You could almost read them one, two, three. Yeah. I think he marathon read those like right in a row from what I recall. Yeah. Yeah, I did. And then I jumped ahead to after Savage Sun, I jumped ahead to In the Blood, and then I had to go yeah. back and read the worst one. Yeah, the worst one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that makes complete sense. I think of why Terminalist fell down your your chart a little bit to fourth place now. I think because you just jumped into the others and were like, "Damn, you know, like those were so good." You almost yeah, forget yeah. Terminalist. Where Tyler, I think you and I had a similar experience. That book sat with me. Yeah, it it moved me. It really did something where I was like, "This is a game changer in the thriller verse," and told me Jack Carr is going to be a big name moving yeah. forward. And I don't know if, t- uh, Chris, you had time to sit with that and that cooked and stewed for you. You just, you jumped right in. I think I had the first three books all at the same time. Like I got into the series whenever Savage Sun came out. And I think I read Terminalist twice before I jumped into True Believer. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Terminalist still takes the cake for me. It's in the one spot. I'm sorry to do Savage Sun dirty like that, but um, this might be controversial. I'm keep being true believer in the second spot the africa stuff and the hastings stuff to me is still so key uh with uncle hastings over there in mozambique and this is a hard call because only the dead is probably in a dead heat with savage son like literally we're in game seven over time (laughs) Triple overtime in game seven. It's that tight, but I'm going to give it to Only the Dead. I love this book. Third spot, bumping Savage Sun down to the four spot. In the blood, Devil's Hand rounding out the top six. Guys, this book made top two and three for all of us. Jack Carr super fans. And this one's in the top half of his best books. That yeah. is incredible. Yeah, for That's sure. saying something. That's definitely saying something. I'm I'm interested to talk to other people and see if we're we're the outliers or this is it's truly as good as we think it is because I think it's great. I think it's amazing. I've seen everything. I've seen one person post that this was their least favorite book, and they kept harping on the exposition. There's way too much exposition being told to you, and they're right in some regard, but it doesn't take away from all the other amazing things that I I don't agree with that take. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's it's awesome. Love it. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Tyler. We'll we'll have we'll, we got to have you on before a whole year from now. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll, we when is the when is the Amazon series coming out? So the Ben Edwards show should come out. That's the spinoff show. It should come out next year, and then the year after will be season two of Terminal List. Oh, we have to wait like two more years. Wow. Long. Okay. Yeah. So they they haven't revealed the title of the Ben Edwards show yet, but they have four of six episodes in the can, which Chris Pratt's in two of. And then uh, once that is wrapped up, they, he said right now it's it's on hold because of the writer's strike. The writer's strike. Oh, right. Um, until until that's done, then they're going to you know finish that up. But he said it's it's looking pretty good. It's more of like a globetrotting espionage thriller instead of like an action or revenge thriller. So looking forward to that. Okay. I like Taylor. I like Taylor Kitchen. I think Ben Edwards is one character who was better on screen than in the book. Um, so I'm happy they're giving him a spinoff. I, I like Taylor Kitch a lot, so. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. We're going to have you back on for all of it. We definitely, definitely will. And maybe even down the road, Jack's nonfiction book. See yeah, if our listeners sure. would be into that, but I'd love to read it and, and talk about it. Yep. I am. Uh, I'm actually, I have two, two books I have in the pipe right now is uh, The Spy That Came In From The Cold and uh, Once an Eagle. Right now it's on my shelf. I got to read it, Once an Eagle, which that book is ridiculous. It is super big. I know you and, of course, Jack are always talking about that one. But when you do spy, uh, the spy who came in from the cold, definitely would love to chat about that one. I'm a, I'm a big Le Carre fan. Sure thing. Uh, Mike, uh, before, before you go, I'm, I'm about to hit pay on Saturday, Sunday, June 4th at 12 p.m. in, where is this place in New Jersey? It's like North Vale, New Jersey. 30 bucks. Go to a Jack Carr meet and greet. That's oh, that's what I did. That's what I did. That's you get a signed, Jersey. You get event. a signed copy of the book. Yeah, the thirty bucks get you a signed copy. Yeah, it's, it's, hey, it's worth it? going. It's, 
it's two hours away. Should I do it? Uh, uh, it's should. worth going. I, I traveled two hours for mine. Uh, it's it's worth going to. I drove to Cleveland from Pittsburgh. I was thinking of it. Uh, someone was giving him some stick online or David some stick about getting more. Uh, I think it was Mark, actually, our patron, getting more East Coast events on the tour. And David's like, we got New Jersey. And we're like, that's such a small slice of the East Coast. We need another yeah. one. But, uh, dude, you should do it. I can't yeah. join you, unfortunately. But, dude, pull that trigger and do it. Yeah, Chris, Chris, it's worth going to. And uh, if you wait in the uh, picture line, he'll give you he'll give you a couple minutes of his time to bullshit about whatever you want to. So you better cool. bring him some thriller pod stickers, though, if you do. Go. I, tell you I have plenty. I have plenty. <laughs> I have plenty. All right. Thanks, Tyler. This is yeah, great. No problem, guys. Thanks for having me on, as always. Appreciate it. All right, we got to thank our patrons, our special operator, Sherry F., our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Piggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Thank you always to Tyler for coming on. I always love when he's on. It's a nice, nice conversation with him. Please subscribe, rate, and review using your favorite podcast platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Instagram at thrillerpodcast. And as always, time is ticking. <laughs>